You're listening to The Next Dimension. DBZ presents Videl Battered, The Stolen Energy, and The Terrible Mystery. 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 episode i am jesse garrett and you're listening to the next dimension with me as always my co-host donovan hello hello um welcome back to the show everybody uh this is our episode for march 2014 <clears throat> edit because i coughed and um we're getting into like uh we're pretty much in the thick of it in terms of the boot saga when it comes to the world tournaments and the the main plot as it unfolds and we'll definitely get into it uh by the end of the episode um, I'm trying to think of this, any news, there's been a lot of news lately, uh, there's been a lot of, like, uh, Dragon Ball Z Kai is, uh, it's coming back in Japan, it actually is going to air in Japan, to finish out the Busaka, um, which I'll mention a little bit later in terms of, like, what they might cut out, and, um, I can't think of anything else in terms of, like, you know, uh, this is Goku's mom or anything, so, um, that might be just it for general news, how, how are you doing this month, Jesse? I am well. Getting ready for a big move. Uh, exciting time. Looking forward to the summer, too. Ooh. 2014's proving to be a year of uh, changes for us all. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything else prescience, and I cannot. Um, so I'll just uh, direct everybody to uh, the Lipson page. Uh, the, the Lipson page uh, has not been updated a lot recently because I have been busy. But you can find, like, you know, I always put up. Uh, call us to email us at dbcnextsubmission at hotmail.com. And I'll also direct you to the Facebook page, Next Submission, the Dragon Ball Z podcast at facebook.com, and join our Facebook page. Get content with us there. So, without further ado, before we get into the episode proper, we shall hit up the emails. And this month, we only have about three, you know, a bit of a turndown from um, earlier in our last several episodes. But, you know, they're, they're good emails, and they're from our regulars, so... uh so I think we had eight last time, so. I know. <laughs> Not eight this time, but uh, even still, there are there are of good quality. Otherwise, we wouldn't read them out. So uh, if we just sit back and listen to Jesse, he shall recite us some of our feedback. <clears throat> our first email is from Tyler. <clears throat> 
Hey guys, it's Tyler again, and I had a few questions. First, when listening to your movie episode 3, you talked about some of the most brutal scenes I didn't hear you guys mention when Perilous put his foot on Goku's head and blasted him in the back repeatedly. <laughs> Second, when you have you seen any of the DBZ uh, Dragon Ball Heroes animations? Because the ones of them, they have future they have future trunks fighting Majin Buu as Super Saiyan three, which is amazing. Third, can you explain to Jesse how Goku escaped Planet Namek in DBZ abridged? Because I want to hear your reaction. Next, do you think it is sad that Yamcha would be a god compared to us in the real world? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> If you guys want to play a game or two, I would be willing to send you guys Raging Blast 2 for Xbox if you guys are interested. Well, that's it, so thanks, and keep up the good work, Tyler. Thank you very much, Tyler. Uh, we should probably take these one at a time. I have seen some of the Dragon Ball Heroes animations. It's, it's a game in uh, Japan. I think it's coming to North America as well. And they do, show, they, they do have animations of really wacky like scenarios, because Future Trucks never fights Majin Buu or come, become Super Saiyan 3, so that was... New and interesting. Is this a... Um, is it a video game? Or a... And it has, yeah, game. it has, like, the animations between... I guess between the cutscenes of the game? Yeah, exactly. It, um... It, uh... It has, like, like original characters that aren't from the series that you kind of create on your own. Uh, like, like combinations of Saiyans and humans and Namekians and Majin characters. And it shows, like, you know, them fighting their new characters, I believe. I believe they're new villains. I've not seen a great deal of it. I've not actually sought out and looked at much of it, but from what I have seen, you know, it seems interesting at the least. Um, now, I'm not, you know, showing is always better than telling, so I'm going to find this clip of uh, how Goku escapes in DBZ Abridged, how he escapes in Emic, and uh, link it to you. I have to put this into the main episode and uh, get your reaction. Oh, yes. Sort of forgot the obvious question there, but how did you survive? Mm, muffin button. Don't say muffin button, but it was. There's science and stuff. See, while I was on Freezer's ship, the controls. Where is it? Where is it? It's about to blow. Come on, come on. There. Oh my god! Yeah! But when the planet exploded, the muffins actually formed a seal around me, both protecting me and feeding me all the way to Yardrat. And that is... The place where I crashed. The Yardies were awfully nice. They nursed me back to health and even made a ship for me to come home in. They also kept feeding me their sick, so now I can teleport. So, if you could teleport, and you knew Frieza was coming, why didn't you teleport to Frieza's ship and stop him? I kind of wanted to give you guys a chance. Please don't make a habit of that. No promises. Oh my. Yeah, they have a little running gag with uh, Goku and Muffins. I there. love it. So, uh, question three. Let's scroll back up to the top. He asks, uh, well, that was the third question, actually. Um, next, do, you, do we think it's sad that Yamcha would be a god compared to us in the real world? Um, I cry yes. every night about it. Actually, I was while watching these episodes, <laughs> it's like, as weak as some of the people are, you got to remember that they're super strong compared to other ones. Compared to the average person in, in DBZ world. 
Yeah, we, we even see like some of Mr. Satan uh, actually winning a fight here, which is rather odd. So, it's, it's like you kind of take it with a grain of salt. And also, like because again, because of the Videl storyline, it's always one of those things where it's like, in, at least in the Dragon Ball Z universe, it is possible to become super strong somehow. Yeah, it's, it's unless just uh, you have to be a Saiyan. Exactly. You say unless you're Yamcha. Well, unless you're a Saiyan or something, then it's impossible. Finally, if you guys want to play a game or two, I would recommend Raging Blast 2. We've gotten a lot of requests to play Raging Blast, I believe. I know we've uh, requested to play, like, uh, Battle of Z that's coming out. Uh, we've not done any video game reviews as of yet, but, like, I mean, we should probably, like, uh, take these requests cumulatively and put together all the uh, video games that they want us to play once we're done with the series. What do you I think, think that sounds that? awesome. All right, absolutely. Thank you very much for that, Tyler. Our next email is from Alex Vangeli. This is a long-winded one, but we love those. Dear Don and Jesse, thanks for answering my questions last episode, and you are most welcome for my last email. I found your discussion about whether Dragon Ball will outlast Toriyama himself or last as long as Stan Lee's creations very interesting. I suppose it's a case of time will tell, but for my money, I think Dragon Ball will be something which probably endures with or without people continuing to work on it. I think it's big enough and well known enough that new people will discover it or be discovered or will be introduced to it. Sort of like how all time classic movies like The Godfather or Citizen Kane continue to endure without people continually working on them and adding to them. By that I don't mean to say Dragon Ball is like either of those films. I just meant that they're examples of stories which continued long ago which concluded long ago but are still enjoyed today. As far as what counts and what doesn't count, I think Don's right in saying it depends upon the fan base. I think the fact that Toriyama does not that Toriyama not just started but ended Dragon Ball is a major influence upon people thinking that whatever he does is what counts. Contrastingly, with Stan, with Spider Man, everything holds up. Everyone holds up the death of Gwen Stacy as the essential part of the mythology, and yet neither Stan Lee nor Steve Ditko had anything to do with that. By the same token, Kryptonite and Jimmy Olsen were elements adopted into the Superman mythos, independent of the Man of Steel's creations, creators. I, I think also influencing people's thoughts about this in regards to Dragon Ball, the elements Toriyama were involved, uninvolved with, i.e. filler and GT, usually fit awkwardly, if at all, within the original source material, i.e. only two or three of the DBZ films can actually theoretically happen within the series timeline. Moving on to the episodes you covered, I'm sorry that my last email skipped ahead a bit and covered Videl's fight, but as far as the junior division tournaments, I've got mixed feelings about it. On the one hand, I don't have much of an attachment to those episodes since for some reason I just didn't manage to catch them back in the day, but on the flip side, as a result of that, my memory of them are patchy, so whatever I, whenever I watch those memories, they're really fr- whenever I watch those episodes, they're really fresh to me. The Goten versus Trunks fight is of course the highlight of the whole thing is not only a great spiritual successor to the father's battle, but great foreshadowing of the two major upcoming events. Your coverage of the episode has also given me a new appreciation of both Goten and Trunks. I used to I used to be at, at best indifferent to them and at worst just to miss dismiss them. Hearing your coverage and looking at them now as actual upbeat children who happen to be super strong, they've kinda grown on me. I agree that Krillin came off as a bit more douchey than usual, but if you, if you spent most of your life as the universe's butt monkey, which included being murdered twice, 
and you wound up with a nice family, you've been, you'd be bragging as well. As far as I'm concerned, Curly more than earned the right to be a bit arrogant given how he was always on the front lines of most battles despite never having a hope in hell of winning. Apart from Vegeta's arrogant fatherly pride, I think my favorite aspect of the episode you guys covered, though, was Videl's integration into the group as well as the mysterious nature of the duo. Even as a kid who had no idea what a storytelling trope was, I was like, oh, thank God the plot has finally arrived. When you guys mentioned that Toriyama said he wanted Vegeta to be the main character in the next movie, I actually wasn't all that surprised. <laughs> Between all the character developments Vegeta got over the course of DBZ, keep your eye out for that, Jesse, and his significant roles in both the later movie and the 2008 special. Are you guys covering those, by the way? It seems Vegeta is the favorite character of Toriyama's. We are going to cover uh, Battle of Gods and the 2008 special because um, of quasi-continuity. Um, I mentioned it last time that if you go by, like, past interviews, I, I believe Toriyama actually said that, like, Vegeta wasn't his favorite character, um, which is curious because he, he gets so much screen time in the series proper, so it's 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 really interesting. It's, it's really kind of, uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of odd. I was also fascinated to hear about some of the new elements Toriyama is adding to the series in his recent work, like Goku's mother and Bulma's sister. My only concern is that he might take a step too far and will learn something which changes how we look at the character too much or screws up the canon, sort of like Sin's past in Spider-Man. Finally, on the last podcast, Don gave us free reign to recommend other animes. I would really highly recommend One Piece, given that you obviously like Dragon Ball. It's more or less the successor to Dragon Ball in Japan, both in terms of its cultural impact and its place as the number one ongoing shonen manga anime. And the creator himself has cited Toriyama as his idol. Now, some questions if you'll indulge me. Um, well, I was going to say really quickly that, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, having never seen One Piece, I am aware that, like, uh, One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach are heavily influenced by DBZ and Toriyama because I've seen the creators in multiple interviews say that, like, Toriyama has really influenced them. And One Piece kind of, from what I've seen, One Piece kind of has a Dragon Ball-esque kind of feel, like, you know, a very action and very adventure-oriented, so, uh, I've been meaning to kind of try out One Piece one of these days. You know, it's just kind of sooner or later I'll probably get down to it. So you're definitely interested in just a time permits kind of thing. Oh, yeah. At the very least, I'm intrigued. Uh, his first question, what are the names of the intermediate stages between Super Saiyan and Super Saiyan 2? With Goku, Vegeta, and Future – which Goku, Vegeta, and Future Trunks reached – over the years, I've heard them called things like Ascended Saiyan, Ultra Super Saiyan, Super Saiyan Second and Third Grade, or something just, or sometimes just Super Vegeta or Super Trunks, Super Trunks Two. I'm really confused about this and was wondering if you guys could help me out. And I'm sure Don can. I hope so. Okay. Um, Super Saiyan is what we see when Goku becomes Super Saiyan on, on Planet Namek. It is. Um, it's what we see. When they fight the androids, pretty much like uh, anything that like we see before they go into their room of spirit of time is them being Super Saiyans. Um, the Ultra forms, where like Vegeta and Trunks come out of the room of spirit of time, all bulkier and ha their hair spikier, that has various names. It's not actually really important because the, the names for fan names, uh, I tend to call them Ultra Super Saiyans. Um, they are kind of 
There are some. Fa- there've been fan names throughout, throughout the years. That, you know, Super Saiyan Grade Two, Grade Three, uh, which puts like Super Saiyan Two, Gohan's form in the Cell games, like, Super Saiyan Grade Five. But really, it's just like you have Super Saiyan variations of, of that first form until until Gohan ascends into Super Saiyan Two against Cell. Like, that's the really that's the really only next transformation to that. There's a lot of different variations on the on the terms as, as the as the dubs all go by, but um, uh, it's really just Super Saiyan One, Super Saiyan Two, and you'll know when you get to Super Saiyan Three. It's it's actually a lot simpler than a lot of fans have made out to be. The fans kind of made it be a bit more convoluted, and a bit more uh, complicated. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, from how I've gathered, it all seems to be one like different levels of getting to Super Saiyan Two almost. Exactly. Don, I know you know a thing or two about comic book slash manga art. With that being said, what do you feel are the best character designs in DBZ or Dragon Ball slash DBZ? If there are any designs which you guys have yet to see in the coverage, will you please point them out and get when you get to them? Well, I know I've said this in the past that uh, I love First Form Cell's uh, um, first form his, his design essentially. Like that reptilian bug form, it's just so removed from everything else that Toriyama designed in that series. It doesn't look like anything that we've seen before or since. I just think it's really, really cool looking. Um, I think the I think the general idea of the design of Super Saiyan is actually kind of cool because having all the Saiyans generally have like dark black hair and then like have them turn yellow and have their eyes go uh, green. I think that that's kind of cool. You kind of get used to it for a while. But um, I think initially it's it's really uh, fun to look at, uh, and I do like the designs of Kabito and Kaioshin. Um, uh, every, I mean, I, I don't think there's any designs that I dislike unless they're in the movies. Uh, are there any any other designs of characters that you like to see uh, in the series so far, Jesse? Uh, I really like Piccolo. Um, most of the Namics they have a they have a very similar kind of mm-hmm. Bohemian look to them. It's mm-hmm. more like more peaceful and more... What's the word we're looking Yeah. So, I really enjoyed that when we got to Planet Planet Namek and saw more than just Piccolo. Mm. I've also enjoyed a lot of the, the Saiyan armor. The kind of looks to that the Vegeta rocks most times I, I thought was cool. And then also the Trunks, his Future Trunks outfit, which just struck me as awesome. I, um... I do enjoy uh, Future Trunks when we first see him, kind of compared to his other designs, like the armor and the long hair. That first look with the, the short jacket and the short hair and the sword behind, that's my favorite iteration of uh, Trunks, personally. Number three is, what are the wackiest theories, rumors, or prediction you, predictions you guys had on the series for yourself and were proved wrong? I.e., me and, me and my friends were certain that when Piccolo became a super Namekian, he turned blue and grow horns. That would be pretty cool. Don, uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember um, hearing that like Goku and Vegeta defeated Frieza together by like teaming up and throwing the the eagle bomb at him, which never happens, obviously. Um, I remember, I definitely remember like everyone saying that like you know oh there's like a Super Saiyan level five, six, seven, and eight later on down the series. That's a that's a persistent rumor to this day. People still believe that, and I, I'm actually kind of surprised. It was a lot easier to believe that when there was before they actually came over to America, but, like, now it's like, how do you really know that? Uh, like, you know, the whole Dragon Ball AF thing with Super Saiyan 5, which doesn't exist. 
I know there are more. There there have been crazy theories and rumors for years, but like those are the ones that I've I've always that's always stuck with me in the last like ten years or so. Yeah, I remember the Dragon Ball AF thing. I've I've heard that before, even independently of the show. Right, Dragon Ball, like Dragon Ball April Fools or After Future. I know we've mentioned that before. Don and Jesse, if he knows about it, what do you think of the Super Saiyan Four form from GT? Both as a character design and just in general. Personally, I think it looks cool. Did you, have you seen that before? Do you remember what that looks like? I can bring it up if you need to. The big pink ape, right? It's go. It's a uh, Goku with like long black hair and like a tail. Let me just bring it up real quick. Wait. Yeah, body uh, like purple pink looking ape body. Yeah, exactly. With the yellow pants, exactly. Yeah, I've seen it before. Um, you know that's. I guess technically canon to Dragon Ball GT, right? It's Dragon Ball GT. Uh, it's not in the original manga, and if you if you follow GT, then like you know, it's it, it's it's a, it's your own personal canon. So it's not like you know, it's not like a fan made uh, Super Saiyan Five. No, it's not fan made. It's it's from Toy Animation, but um, it's not canon to the original source material, i.e. Toriyama's manga. It's so like you know, it's like Dragon Ball GT takes place in the in uh, the anime universe, but uh, not in the original manga universe. Like the the Super Saiyan forms stop at level three, so like. Uh, but you know, as a design, um, what, do you, what what's your thoughts on it? It's definitely unique, and I like the idea that as a Saiyan becomes stronger and stronger, he takes on more of the aspects of the Great Ape, which would make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since that's that's supposedly how, I guess, the strongest they would get, in theory. But, uh, now, is that a design by Toriyama? You know, I don't know. I do know that Toriyama did a few designs for GT. I don't know to what extent. Um, personally, I actually, I actually really like the design. I I think it does look really cool. And the idea that, like, as, as the ultimate Super Saiyan form, you, your hair goes back and you become more bestial. I actually think that's kind of cool, to be honest. I mean, I would not mind that being in the main series. I, I actually kind of like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's very unique, and I, I like that. It's not it's not more derivative of the other Saiyan form, so his hair just doesn't get longer again, you know. We're going to finally get to Super Saiyan 3. <laughs> Which actually is not too far from now, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about I, – I'm actually looking forward to discussing that. <clears throat> he continues on – uh, who do you think is the best voice actor in the series so far? I'd probably say Chris Sabat. I would probably say Sabat. Well, hmm. Chris Sabat does, he does Vegeta, he does Piccolo, he does Yamcha, he does uh, other incidental characters. Um, I th- it's interesting because, like, you know, we're watching the the Funimation anim, uh, dub back around, like, the early 2000s, and by Kai... A lot of the characters, like, I, I've said before that, like, I thought Sean Schimmel really sounded, like, a lot more accomplished and a lot more veteran at voicing Goku. He he had a lot more control over his over his yelling, and he made, he made Goku sound almost like a different character while still sounding the same. I thought that Sean Schimmel uh, grew the most as a voice actor between the original dub and Dragon Ball Z Kai. So I, so I really enjoyed his performance. Uh, Chris Sabat as well. I think that Sabat does well, although there are times we can kind of tell... That's the same guy, but I think he does good with the performance. Um, there's a moment here, we'll get, get into it, uh, with Videl, where I think that uh, Kara Edwards voices her well, because she voices both uh, Videl and Goten. And there are times where I can kind of tell 
that Videla is Goten's voice, but there are times here where, like, it caught a call for her to be really emotional. And I just, I heard a totally different character, and I thought that was actually pretty impressive. But uh, those are the ones that kind of, and then Sunny Straight as Krillin and Kai as well sounds uh, different, but, but also still the same in a good way. Okay. Uh, huh, I didn't know Vegeta went Super Saiyan 4. Uh, he, he did through BS means <laughs> at the at the end of GT, like, yeah, he did. I knew, yeah, I knew Go, Goku did, but interesting. Okay, so he continues on. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Obviously, Dragon Ball Evolution was a disaster, but do you think Dragon Ball could ever work as a Western live-action movie? Personally, I think between the serialized nature of the storyline, the emphasis upon action, technological limitations, and cultural differences, it's pretty much impossible, at least right now. I, if not, if I've not mentioned before, I'll, I'll say here, I really don't think that Dragon Ball could work as a live-action movie because, like you say, Alex, it is so serialized, and it requires, I mean, Dragon Ball, the original Dragon Ball, like the first, like, 13 episodes or, like, few chapters of Dragon Ball was Akira Toriyama's sort of, like, rendition of the Chinese legend Journey into the West, and, like, you don't necessarily need to know that, but that's kind of what, what in, uh, a, uh, imbues the context with, you know, characters like Goku, like Oolong, actually, are based off of, like, uh, Chinese characters, like the Monkey Boy and um, Pig Monsters like that. Um, when it gets into, like, the continuity between, like, the Saiyans and then Frieza, I mean, I don't think that Dragon Ball – I think Dragon Ball gets really convoluted around the Android saga in terms of, like, its continuity. But, like, when they made Dragon Ball Evolution, I, I – I'm pretty sure that they, they did that with the intention to make it, like, you know, as an ongoing series of movies. God knows how it would have, how it would have turned out, but um, I I honestly don't think so. I, I think if, if at all it would ever be rebooted as a series of movies, it would have to be animated. Um, what, what do you think, Jesse? From what little I've seen of Evolution, like, I literally caught some of it on the, break, break, uh, the TV in the break room at work once. Mm-hmm. It seemed like they, they wanted to have their cake and eat it, too. They wanted to do, quote-unquote, an origin story of Dragon Ball, but they also wanted to be able to have, oh, you know, a grown Goku so he can, you know, be a, a main action character. And it just right. failed. It, they didn't want, it seemed like they didn't obviously take any time to figure out the best way to make it work for the audience. I said this before. I said this uh, earlier in the week. Uh, I came home from work, and um, my dad and my brother were watching Rumble in the Bronx – which is awesome. And um, I personally think that, like, if there was ever going to be a live-action uh, – there actually has been a live-action uh, Chinese Dragon Ball movie, which equally sucks. Um, I, don't think, I don't think you could get better casting as Goku than Jackie Chan. And uh, I say that for a few reasons. I mean, like, one, uh, a lot of Dragon Ball, uh, the martial arts aspects was based off of Jackie Chan movies. Uh, yeah, like, you know, uh, Roshi's alias in the tournament was Jackie Chun. Um and, like, you know, kind of the, the comedic nature of some of the fights kind of derived from Chan's movies. Also, like, I think that Jackie Chan just had that, like, really, like, appealing, simple, yet positive nature of a fighter that I think that, like, I don't see that in any other, any other action star. I think that he would really make a great Goku, but he's always, he's, like, 60 now, so that, that's kind of, a, you know, uh, jumped the shark in that respect. Hmm. I agree. I don't think the, the basic story of Dragon Ball Z is beyond interpretation to a western audience aliens mm-hmm. um, you know come to come to the earth and one of you know our main characters revealed to be one of them that's not necessarily so foreign but yeah the execution of it i think w- could, we get lost in translation 
Yeah, I think that like as kids and of of Western to Eastern and vice versa um, kind of interpretations. I don't think most animes that come over as you know American productions work well, and I also don't think the opposite works well. You know, very often. Well, I'm trying to remember um, all the live action. I mean, like in terms of like we've seen like, like adaptations of video games like Dead or Alive, Street Fighter, uh, Tekken, and uh, Mortal Kombat. Those work to varying degrees. Although I, I believe Mortal Kombat is actually like you know American. The the only one that universally isn't hated is Mortal Kombat, and that's mm-hmm. uh, you know tellingly enough an American video game. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean that uh, that as well as the fact that like they changed. Very little uh, about the story in that movie. They didn't like you know fudge the characters like they do with so much other things, uh, so many other things. You didn't get Jean Claude Van Damme as Guile, <laughs> the real American hero. Uh, I actually have a very special place in my heart for the the live action Street Fighter movie, not not the Chun Li movie, but uh, the first one I, I find fun, I, so bad it's good. But um, oh yeah, I love watching it. It's, it's, uh, it's all I'm a Street Fighter fan. I'm trying to think like I like typically uh, there are franchises that Japan has adapted into live action movies like Death Note I know of. I think Roroni Kenshin, um, and but they like you know they stay very extremely close to the source material and don't change anything. Um, for Dragon Ball Z, I agree with you in that like the the original audience, the original North American audience for Dragon Ball Z when it first came to America. You know, I like we didn't know who Goku was or Krillin was or whatever, but like because of the fighting, we kind of drawn into it and we wanted to learn more. I think a, a television audience is very different from a, from a movie audience, and you can't just like suppose that people will want to investigate on their own after seeing like a two hour movie. It requires a lot more, uh, a lot less understanding and suspension of disbelief from the audience. And I'm not saying it can never ever be done, but I can, I'm, I am saying that I'm, I'm not sure how it could be done personally. Yeah, I think that's the problem is that no one really is. I think it could work as a TV series, like an American TV series, before it could work as an American movie. And I think both of those are, are very hard to crack, very hard to do, or would be very hard to do. And I really would not like to see uh, them. I mean, there are certain things, I mean, I, I wouldn't care if they, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not demanding for Pawar to be ad- adapted into a live-action series, or, but, like, there are certain things that you could not really ignore, like... The fact that Bulma is the heiress to the Castle Core informs a lot of things down the line, like Trunks. The fact that Vegeta is a Prince of Saiyans, you, you, that, that's integral to his character. The fact that, you know, like, like Chi-Chi and Goku are different as parents. Like, there are certain things that, like, you kind of need that, that kind of derive from earlier events in Dragon Ball. It's really, really tricky. I think that it would be interesting to – I remember one time my brother and I uh, sat up for like an hour and tried to, like, have, map out a series of Dragon Ball Z movies. And, like, I think we did, like um, – the first one would basically be like Dragon Ball inside of a world tournament. The second one would be like the Saiyan Saga, and the third one would be the Freeza Saga. But even then, I think we had like we had like nickel and dime so much that it's almost unrecognizable. Um, it's, it's it's fun to think though, like how how could you turn this into a movie? But um, as long as they don't go like the whole uh, let's make this like you know Zack Snyder realistic, it'd be hilarious. Oh, oh, that'd be terrible. <laughs> Dark and gritty uh, Dragon Ball. Really, like, like instead of like the, the flying and punching, they uh, have tanks or something. I don't know. It, it wouldn't be Dragon Ball anymore. Okay, continuing on. <clears throat> Can you please tell me the name of the music piece you used at the start and end of episode twenty-six? It sounded awesome. I'd love to track it down. Why? I'd love to. 
Um, the first, both both pieces of music were uh, themes from the PlayStation game Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Battle 22. The first one uh, is the theme of the Great Saiyan Man, and I believe in like the World Tournament theme. And the one at the end was the theme for Krillin, Goku, or uh, Krillin, Goten, and some other characters. Some of the characters have shared the same themes, and um, that was the first Dragon Ball Z game I've ever played or and owned. And I really, I really liked. Uh, the Goten theme, and I thought that actually worked well. I had forgotten about it, but um, I think for some reason those kind of games kind of came back in my head, and I thought I'd put those themes in there. And I'm glad you like them. Yeah, just go to YouTube and like uh, type in Ultimate 22 soundtrack and look up the Great Saiyan Man theme and then the Goten theme. And his last question for this email. Finally, what would each of you wish for if you had the Dragon Balls? And I'm surprised we haven't got that question before. Yeah, that's actually one of those more obvious questions for a Dragon Ball fan, I suppose. So, Don, um, what would you wish for? I should have probably thought about this more uh, ahead of time. Uh, I think that, like, in current, currently with this really bad weather and my back being thrown out every other week, Sins and Beans would really be nice to exist in our world. Um, I wish... Hmm. I would wish for... Goodness gracious... I say money, so I'm a greedy man, but like it would be nice to have like a, a, a nice financial sum to uh, be secure for my future endeavors. Uh, immediately, at least. You know, I got to wish for other stuff. What about you, Jesse? Are we going by one wish or three? Uh, why, why limit ourselves? Let's go for the, for the Namekian Dragon Balls with the three wishes. Because, yeah, I would say uh, financial stability, because mm-hmm. I'm boring mm-hmm. like that. Hmm. I'd like to like I'd like to have that tower that they live in. The uh the one pure not Puar, uh what's his name? Oh Corin. Yeah, that tower is awesome. I want I want to live there. I want my own tower. That is pretty awesome. you're right, that, that is a pretty awesome uh 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 site for Dragon Ball Dragon Ball generally. That's that's pretty cool. I just love the design of it and seeing it in these episodes reminded me of that. Like, man, I want to see more action go on there. <laughs> well, I directed two episodes of Dragon Ball. <laughs> and the last wish I'd have to say would be for I'd probably go uh, I'd, pr- I'd probably go lame again and say immortality with eternal. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't feel old. I was about to say like uh, I, I was thinking you wouldn't want to like be like Yao Chen Krillin and wish for immortality, but like immortality is like. The most common, uh, I believe that has to be the most common to wish for Dragon Ball villains or Eternal Youth. Because King Piccolo wished for Eternal Youth in Dragon Ball. Frieza won Eternal Life. Vegeta won Eternal Life. Nappa won Eternal Life. So, like, that is, um, I would... Has it actually gotten that wish granted? Piccolo did. In fact, that's what made the, the, the original Piccolo arc so awesome. Like, King Piccolo. Because he, he not only, like, uh, he not only got his wish, but he then killed the dragon afterwards. <laughs> Dude, it was pretty awesome. But, um, uh, Garlic Jr. did, and he, and he threw, got thrown into the dead zone. Uh, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I, w- I would like. Just financial stability right, right, right away. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky, because, like, a lot of times, I, I, I always think of the monkey's paw reaction, like, you know, what, what, be careful what you wish for, or else it's gonna come back and bite you. So I, I try not to, like, you know, wish for anything that will screw me over later on, and I, I tend to do that more often than not. This email is from Rick. Greetings, Don and Jesse, from the closest equivalent to Home for Infinite Losers Frozen Over. 
It's a cycle here. Two days of beautifully warm 30 degrees, then a foot of snow, then two weeks of straight double negatives and inches of ice on every road. I'm proud to report my Super Saiyan training is rigorous as ever. But enough about the weather. Finally, this saga has begun to muster up some steam, introducing some wholly colorful characters, to say the least. With Goku back, the series gives me mixed feelings. It is a solid focus on Gohan at first, but as soon as Goku comes back, he begins to take over the story. Although at this point, the series is a different tone and the last time he, than the last time he helmed it. Heck, they even have a new opening theme. Goku is Dragon Ball, so removing him from it, even if his replacement is his son, is something people still argue. I believe Gohan should carry a, carry a saga without his dad giving him a pep talk in every fight, and that the supporting cast could evolve naturally, with the staples remaining. But Goku is like the Leermita years, because you keep using the same characters and only keep the new ones that really take off. That's all I can muster from my couch in this Hayes-Toad apartment. Thanks for the entertainment, as always, dudes. Um, in terms of Goku being the main character again, like, I, right now, I don't think that's really the case. You know, Goku's there; he's, he's kind of he's kind of like taking some charge. But I don't feel that like Goku has totally superseded the series. Um, I will say that definitely happens by the end of the series. But like as of this point, and for the time being, I don't really agree that like this is the point where Goku kind of like takes the show back from Gohan. I, I really don't think so. I think that like uh. The, the main impetus on the, the character's actually just Gohan, like, you know, Gohan being at the tournament sort of, like, uh, drives out some villains that we'll get into. And um, I definitely I, I agree with what you're saying, but, like, we'll, it's more important to talk about this a, a little down the line rather than now. Because I, right now I think that it is still kind of Gohan's show to have taken from him. I agree. I haven't felt that Goku has taken over yet. Yeah. I kind of like Goku's uh, position here. He's, you know... He is who he is, but he's not like, it's not like, you know, can Goku does do this or do that? It's, it's still like, he's there as a character. He's not there as like a protagonist. So. Um, but, yeah, I think um, if he were to be less involved, it would go against the character, against what he would do. And people would probably complain, oh, well, why is Goku just standing back not doing anything? Yeah, I would not like it if Goku was with, with Chi-Chi and the others in the, in the, in the rafters. It's like watching that would, that would that would actually be incredibly out of character. <laughs> um, thank you, Rich. Thank you, everybody else who emailed in. And if you if anybody else who's listening wants to email in, we didn't even get an email from Daniel this month. Huh? That's uh, that's odd. But uh, if you're Daniel or anybody else who'd like to email in, uh, email at dbcdexdimension at hotmail dot com. After a quick promo break, we shall get into the continuing of the Tekachi Budokai or the World Martial Arts Tournament. All I ask is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Engineering division ready, as always. Your mind to my mind. Bloody. Don't you think you should rephrase that? Your thoughts to my thoughts. Well, either choke me or cut my throat, make up your mind. Change the laws of physics. That thing must be destroyed. We tried to destroy it once before, Commodore. The result was a wrecked ship and a dead crew. Doctor, you are a sensualist. You bet your pointed ears I am. Live long and prosper. I am the guardian of forever. The Edge of Forever 
A continuing look at the Star Trek universe. Coming to Earth2.net and iTunes in May. Vegeta, you're next. Hmm? So you're number 12? Not the two of them! Goku and Vegeta! Vegeta is number 12! Golly! Vegeta and Goku right off the bat! That figures. A fight with Kakarot. Perfect! Just the opportunity I've been waiting for to prove my true Saiyan abilities. Cool! My dad's gonna fight your dad. I wonder who will win. I'm pretty sure that my dad will. Are you kidding? My dad's stronger and faster than your dad any day. But my brother told me that my dad is the strongest fighter in the universe. And we are back. Uh, now, the last time we left off, uh, the Z fighters were sort of set upon these two mysterious individuals. One tall, one short, uh, and the short one was floating. And um, while they don't scream evildoers, they were definitely not of this world. Piccolo is the one who, out of the group, who looks the most concerned about them. And um, while Goku's like, you know, well, whoever they are, we do want a strong fighter to fight against. Piccolo's kind of like sweating bullets, and he'll continue to sweat bullets for the rest of the ring of all these episodes. Um, while that's going on, Goten and Trunks, uh, still unsatisfied by their bout in the junior division, uh, they essentially find some guy in a reverse Ku Klux Klan costume and uh, knock him out and... Um, Basically, they basically steal his clothes so they can compete in their adult division as well. Uh, and they become Mighty Mask, which is a name they don't know of as of yet, but that is who the character is. Uh, Trunks is on top, and Goten is like kind of holding him on his shoulders at the bottom, so they kind of fill out the whole costume. And they're going to kind of sneak into the tournaments and compete against the adults. We'll see where that goes. So um, the Z Fighters go to the uh, basically the arena part of the arena where they compete up against the other fighters from the tournaments. And um, long story short, uh, the Krillin is drawn to be the first fighter, and he goes up against this, this gigantic, like, genie-looking guy named, named Punta, who, like, gives him all that grief. But Krillin is happy that he's not going against Piccolo, Goku, or Vegeta. Um, uh, the young uh, purple-skinned purple, purple guy with the white mohawk, uh, we find out his name is Shin. And he set up to go against Piccolo in the second round. So Piccolo is saying, okay, I can finally figure out this, the extent of this person's power. Um, Videl is going against uh, a guy called Spobovich, who was, return, who, was a, who was a returning fighter from the tournaments that we never saw before, but apparently he lost against her father in the last tournament. And uh, he and uh, another competitor, Yamu, are characterized by being very bulky, very veiny, and having um, mysterious M's tattooed on their foreheads. And Spopovich in particular is, like, gritting his teeth and just really, really kind of, like, tensing around and looking constipated the entire time. Um, the fourth match, yes, <laughs> the fourth match is the larger pink fellow from the last episode against Gohan, a.k.a. the Great Saiyan Man. The fifth match is number 18 versus Mr. Satan, a fact that she's not exactly thrilled about because she thinks it'll be boring. But uh, once Mr. Satan learns that he's fighting a woman, he jumps for joy. And the sixth match, which is the most awesome one, is uh, Goku versus Vegeta, right at the top. Vegeta, um, the way this, these, these fights were drawn, 
you put your hand in a, in a box and pick out a ball which, which contained a number. Goku had uh, gotten a number earlier. I forget what it was. I think it was number 11. And Vegeta took out number 12. And he didn't say anything. He just showed every, He showed everyone. He showed the, the number of the ball towards the crowd, including Goku, and just smiled. And um, quickly turned around to, to hide his boner. Because Vegeta's like, like he just starts chubbing up and saying, oh, God, I fight with Kakarot. I've waited all these years. Uh, the next round will be Mighty Mask, a.k.a. Goten and Trunks, versus one of the few black guys in the entire series, Killa, a man I can barely understand. And the final fight will be Yamu versus Jewel, a, uh, a guy with long blonde hair. So the fights are all settled. The initial fight begins with uh, Krillin going against Punta. Who is a big, again, he's a big, large, genie-looking guy. And the entire time, he's talking a lot of smack to Krillin because Krillin's a, a small guy with a no-nose, so how strong can he be? But Krillin... Who was, who was, you know, completely awesome after the last seven years. Says, you know, you're, you're not going to be a big deal. You know, stop talking or whatever. And um, the guy says, okay, little man, I'll give you the first hit. Krillin puts one hand into his pocket says, all right, fine, and socks the guy in the gut. He smacks him across the face several times and just knocks him out of the ring. Krillin wins inside of, like, 30 seconds because, because he's a Krillin, and for once he doesn't die. The next round is Piccolo versus Shin. And the entire time, Shin's like, oh, this should be a very interesting match. I look forward to fighting you. And uh, Piccolo also shares both of his constipated look and sweating and gritting his teeth and saying, what's wrong with him? Why do I feel this incredible energy? It's very, very weird. And um, he tells the others that, that, that there's something really wrong with him. Uh, so the two get onto the, uh, the, tournament, the tournament grounds. And they basically stare at each other for, for several minutes, much to the consternation of both the viewers and the audience members of the tournament. So Piccolo's thinking to himself, I can't sense the extent of his power. What is he? And Shin says, oh, you'll find out soon enough, revealing that he has telepathy. So Piccolo freaks, <coughs> <coughs> so Piccolo freaks out at this and says to uh, the announcer, I'm sorry, I must forfeit. And uh, he surrenders and gives up. This disturbs Gohan, Goku, and the others, and says, "What's wrong? What's with, what's with this guy?" And Krillin complains because uh, because of that, Krillin will fight Shin in the next round. So uh, the fourth round, uh, or no, the fifth, I'm sorry, the third round is Videl versus Popovich. And then Videl says, "Okay, Gohan, you know, I hope to see you in the next round." You know, which could be seen as flirting or not. Um, Spopovich, again, the entire time has just been, like, you know, pulsating veins across his body and just sweating and gritting his teeth and just being incredibly weird-looking. Um, Killa tells him that he's up and tries to pat him on the shoulder, but there's electricity coming off of his body, and, like, it actually burns Killa's hand. They're also very, like, gray-skinned, like, very pale, like they're, uh, sick-looking. That's, yeah, I, I actually... I actually never noticed that, but you're right. Like they don't look, they don't have the healthy pallor of skin tone that Krillin and Videl and the others have. I didn't notice it until the uh, flashback that's coming up. Oh yes, oh yeah, definitely. Um, so and this this is important. Videl and Spopovich walk towards the ring while Shin is leaving because Piccolo got off first, and they're walking towards each other. Uh, Shin passes uh, Spopovich on Spopovich's left, and then Shin stops, turns around. He has a very concerned and uh, displeased look uh, from Spopovich. What is, what is all this, this about? So that was uh, quite the cliffhanger. Uh, in episode 216, uh, it's Videl versus Spopovich, and um, he's greeting his teeth. And, and uh, I believe it was, it was uh, said earlier by the announcer that he looks different from the last uh, tournament. 
and like Jesse mentioned, uh, there's a flashback that shows that he used to have like, like long, shaggy hair and a beard, and and eyebrows. But now he looks completely different. He's he's bigger. He's beefier. He has a caveman brow, and he's just he just he's just like going. He's just going like the entire time. He's not really saying much of anything. So while the fight's about to begin, uh, Piccolo has to get to the bottom of Shin's mystery and says, "Excuse me, uh, I apologize if I'm mistaken, but." Are you the Grand Kai? You know, the Kais above all, the, the original four Kais of the world. And he says, no, 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 I'm not the Grand Kai. And then Kabito walks in back of Piccolo and says, he is the Supreme Kai. And Piccolo says, what? Kaioshin-sama? What? And this is essentially like a, a deity thing in Dragon Ball where you have King Kai, and who is the northern god of uh, Earth's, Earth's universe. And there, there are four gods King Kai, uh, South Kai, West Kai, and East Kai. And there's a Grand Kai over that. Uh, Shin, or uh, the Supreme Kai, is lord over all of them. Uh, the original text said that he's not the lord of worlds, he's the lord of lords. So Piccolo, <laughs> Piccolo does a lot of things to his body which he's not in control of. Uh, Goku says, Piccolo, what's wrong? Did that guy mouth off to you? Did he get fresh? You want me to put him in his place? And Piccolo's like, no, no, don't talk to him! Like, he's, he's, he's very concerned. Like, his eyes are bugged out. He's, he's completely taken aback. Like, we've never seen Piccolo this freaked out in a long time, if ever. Even uh, King Kai is surprised that uh, the Supreme Kai is there. So, while this all happens, the fight's begun, and Videl get, gains a very early lead on Spopovich. She kind of blocks all of his attacks and pretty much kicks and knocks him back several times to the point where she draws first blood. Although, that being said, as much damage as she does inflict on Spopovich... She doesn't actually, like, he doesn't, he keeps on getting up. He keeps on standing up from whatever uh, she gives to him. He's not really knocked unconscious. He's not really, like, you know, damaged physically to, to stop continue fighting. And after a while, it becomes clear that, like, Videl is slowly getting worn down, even though she's, she appears stronger than Spobovich. Um, but Spobovich just keeps on taking it and taking it and taking it. And he, <coughs> I need to cut down on the drugs. Oh. Uh, uh, and, uh, he, he, even though he's bleeding all over, he remains fine while Videl is getting more and more worn out. Vegeta, Goku, Krillin, and Gohan all start to recognize before everyone else does that something is wrong with Sabobovich. In fact, there's something that seems to be supernatural about his power. He doesn't, he's not gained his power, he's not gained his power naturally. It's also been commented on about with the other tournament fighters that like he wasn't like he wasn't this resilient in the last tournament. He wasn't this powerful. Um and he looks completely different. So after a while, uh Videl starts to get worn out a bit and Spopovich just runs up and kicks her out of the ring. Or he would if Videl wasn't trained by Gohan to fly. So Videl reveals to the entire tournament that she has the ability to fly now and prevents herself from getting knocked outside of the ring. Um so she uh, tries to give even more damage to Spopovich and just, uh, while he hits her a couple more times and she actually starts to bleed herself, she just runs up to him and delivers a jump kick to the side of the neck. And she actually, uh, uh kicks so hard that she breaks his neck and his, his head is turned 180 degrees around his body. His head is facing his back. So, the entire tournament arena is utterly aghast. And, um, Although she clearly beat him, she'll be disqualified for killing him because no one can survive that kind of attack. Unless you're Slopovich. Because Slopovich somehow just takes his head and twists it all the way around. He even kind of stretches up his spine to where it's, it's 
exactly where it was before. At this point, Goku says she needs to give up right now. Uh, there's something wrong, and this guy's not going to be taken down by any conventional means. And this is where Spolvich really starts to attack Fidel in earnest, to the point where he seemingly, like, like breaks her nose because she starts bleeding all over her own clothes, which is pretty nasty. So uh, before he can attack even more, uh, she takes to the air, flying, uh, flying really, really high in the sky. Spolvich, you know, counters this by flying even further than she is, above the, above the clouds. And um, while she's taken aback, he uh, throws out his arm and shoots an energy blast at him and hits her square in, square in the chest. So she flies all the way down, just barely being able to stop herself. Um, Goku and Gohan are, are at this point saying to Videl, stop, give up. You know, I, I, we don't know what the deal is with this guy, but you're not going to be able to win. You should just surrender while you still can. But Videl is incredibly stubborn, saying, I'm not going to give up no matter how bad it is. And just starts to just, just really turn on the punishment as much as she can. But every time she tries to get uh, more and more damage onto Spobovich, Spobovich tends to just, like, deal her back for it. And he, he, this is when he gets incredibly violent with her. He starts, um, he starts just hitting her several times in the stomach, knocking, headbutting her, knocking her in the face. And at one point, he uh, grabs her by the head and just routinely just punches her in the stomach over and over and over again. And... Um, uh, from here on out, he, uh, Lord, he, 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 he beats on Fidel, like, and I'm not saying, like, you know, just, like, he beats her, but he, he beats her, like, 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 abusively. He, um, there's a moment where he has her over his knee, and to just start smacking her while she's bent over his knee, over and over and over again. I can't imagine her ribs are anywhere intact after that. He even throws her across the ring where she would have fallen out of the ring, but he keeps her from falling out of the ring so he can beat on her even further. Um, she, she, after taking an energy blast and taking all these physical attacks, you know, having several bones broken, Videl is unable to move. And um, at, at one point, uh, Smolovich throws her on the ground and starts to crush her head like an egg. Uh, the entire arena is utterly aghast at this. Um, I don't know why the announcer hasn't stopped the fight at this point. And Gohan, the great Saiyan man, is uh, – he kind of he refers back to his, his face as a little kid. Because remember when Gohan was a kid and he saw his friends getting beat up? Well, this is one of those times because Gohan is absolutely infuriated. And he says, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm taking this guy down right now. He's so pissed off that he turns to a Super Saiyan, like, like unwillingly. And Goku's saying, Gohan, no, you can't, you can't jump in there. I don't know why. Um, but before uh, Spolovich crushes her head, like just he, before he puts his foot through her skull, uh, Yamu, the other guy with the M on his forehead, says, "That's enough. We didn't come here for this. End the fight right now." So Spolovich is like, "Okay," and he just kind of throws her out of the ring, so she loses by ring out. Um, Gohan, who at this point is just in his sunglasses and gear, he doesn't have the headband or cape anymore, runs to Vizel's side and, and grabs her and takes her to the uh, medical wing of the, te- of the uh, tournament temple. Um, Mr. Satan the entire time has been told that his daughter was losing, but he didn't believe her because he beat Spovich in the last tournament. So uh, when he's told that his, his daughter has been hospitalized, he's utterly outraged and shows human emotion for once, and um, runs to his daughter's side. Um, he sees Gohan and says, hey, did you do this? No, it was Spovich, wasn't it? And um, Gohan says, I'll be right back and you'll be, you'll be, uh, you'll be soon. And uh, you'll be healed soon. And Videl says, Gohan, you got to beat him for me. And um, as Gohan runs away, Videl has a very, like, knowing smile uh, on her face as she's being tended to by the medics. <laughs> Mr. Satan is like, oh, no, he's not your boyfriend, is he? It's impossible. 
So um, while this is happening, Goku decides to go to Korin's tower and gain some sense of beans to help Videl out. And Korin tells him, be careful, Goku. I have a feeling you'll be needing a lot more of these in the, in the near future. And Goku says, yeah, I know. Uh, and uh, that's what we're going to cut off from now until we get to the rest of the series after discussing these episodes. So... Jesse, there's a lot that goes on in these episodes that happened uh, compared to the last that's, uh, last month's episodes. What were you thinking? Uh, these were pretty jam packed, uh, particularly with all the fights that we. I mean, we get what three fights? Uh, technically, I mean, like you know, the Kaioshin pickle fight wasn't much, but it, there were matches. We do we do get like two fights right off the bat. We get to see Krillin, you know, being awesome, mm-hmm. which I I loved that part. I love seeing him cocky and just, yeah, having a ton of good luck for a while. Uh, and then we get this huge, brutal fight that lasts way longer than it should. Like, it's so uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. <clears throat> like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, okay. She's kicking butt at the beginning, and I'm thinking, well, it's you know, I don't think she's going to win this one. Oh, okay, it's turning. All right, cool. Yeah, now he's going to. He's going to win, and it just keeps going on. She keeps getting back up. I felt like the audience, and, and you know, I felt like, go, go on. Don't, you know, you're eating up again? What? <laughs> so like, don't do it. Don't do it. Should we just, like, uh, get into that, that whole fight? Uh, that's, yeah, that's the main thing I, I, I focused on, just because that's the biggest thing from this half of the episodes that I can, I can remember. Oh, yeah, definitely, obviously. This is uh... – there's a lot of different aspects to talk about this fight. Um, I think in terms of, like, the storytelling, I think it works well because you have uh, – uh, we'll, we'll get into it later, but, like, Kaioshin and uh, Kabito somehow know more about Spopovich and Yamu than they're letting on. Um, so you kind of have, like, you know, their whole bleeding, in, bleeding into the tournament from this other plot kind of coalescing. And – I did like the fact that, like, uh, Videl's fight was – it mattered. It wasn't just, you know, her showing off her new strength to a weakling or whatever. Um, that being said, this is by far the most brutal fight in Dragon Ball Z's history. And it's a combination of the fact that, like, she's just, like – after a while, she can't put up a fight. I mean, there's, there's the obvious fact that, like, she's, she's a female, so it's, it's not uh, – unless you're another bastard. No one really likes seeing a woman get beat up. But – I, I'm of, I'm, of, I'm of several minds in this fight. Um, you say that like you said that like it, you were like the audience and like you didn't want her to get up. You want her to give up. Uh, do you think that like um, what did you think? What do you think about like the fight in terms of storytelling? Do you think that like cause obviously the the fact that like Spopovich was so torturous and uh, violent towards her, it was, it carried a certain purpose in terms of like it showed you that these guys weren't your average tournament fighters. Do you think that, like, that, that purpose was fulfilled, or do you think that, like, the fight was actually too much more than it needs to be? Uh, no, I don't think it was too much more. I think it accomplished in that it, it made me really hate these guys. It made me really want them, you know, not to win. And <laughs> it, it did its point of making them despicable. And because, obviously, they go out of their way, and they, they just continue or – Spopovich continues to beat and beat and beat on Liddell, much more than is necessary, and just viciously. So I think they were effective in 
making, you know, showing all right, these guys, yeah, as you said, weren't the standard tournament fighters. You know, obviously they're, they're something more than them. And particularly when you had Shin, who's kind of potentially the bad guy at this point. Once once Sovovich is in here fighting Vidal, you forget all about him. And you're just focusing on this mean, horrible guy right here, crushing her skull, essentially. Yeah, um... It's odd because like there were there was there, I think it to a point in here where like I was I I almost like was like covering my eyes I mean, I've seen this before I, I will tell you right now that like uh, much of this fight uh, at least like the second half is cut out of the uh, was cut out of the t- the tsunami area because goddamn but um I don't know it's 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 really. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say that, like you know, this is this is an example of any sort of sexism or misogyny on Toriyama's part. Because I, I do think that, like, at the end of the day, this fight really carried, delivered a purpose. And I didn't feel that. Like, here's here's the thing. It's it's kind of it's kind of tricky in these sort of like uh, uh, specific circumstances when you have like uh, a woman being beat on like this. Because for a while, Bedell was was winning the fight. She could have been like anybody. She could have been like Krillin. She could have been like she could be a male character. And the point would have been driven home. I think that, like, um, I actually really like Videlis in this fight because she is winning. And she showed a lot of, like, cunning and guile when she was fighting the guy. Like, I like, I love the moment where he throws her out of the ring and she saves herself by, uh, by floating, you know, and using, using her flying technique. I, I really, I really like that part that she, you know, she kind of, like, thinks on her feet. And it's shown to be a good fighter. And we see her fighting a lot tougher and faster than we have seen her before. So she's kind of becoming more and more of a Z fighter. In this fight, um, I, 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 it's it's so odd. I mean, I hesitate to say I like this fight because this was this was one of the most intense things I've seen in DBZ in a while. I, I, I must not have seen this in a long time, but like I was I was completely like surprised. I mean, there's there's a moment where Spokovich just grabs Videl by the hair and yanks her off, and Kara Edwards like like screams this high pitched like 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 just cry. And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> it was just, and, and like when he has her under her under his foot, and she's like bleeding and crying, it gets hard to watch. But you know, it's not. I mean, because the audience is reacting the way they are, and because Gohan's about to rip this guy a new, a new asshole, like it feels justified. Unfortunately, I, I don't know. It's it's like you know, it's not take this. This wasn't take. Here's the thing: it wasn't treated lightly. It was a tough thing to watch, but it wasn't treating like, you know, uh, like a real run-of-a-mill, oh, someone gets beaten up kind of thing. And I kind of appreciate for that. It's just hard as our, as our culture to see women kind of go through this kind of crap uh, in such a one-sided battle. But it, but it wasn't for nothing. So I guess that's sort of like my ultimate take on this fight right here because it is really rough to see. I agree. Uh, I agree completely. And I think if it was anyone other than – Spokovich, Videl would have won this fight many times over. Oh well, um, I mean, we see that like he, she was winning at the beginning. I think she, she was strong enough to kill him. Uh, now he, he had supernatural powers, but like, uh, yeah, like she, she, yeah, if it was if anybody else except for the Z fighters, she would have easily beat him. And I, I did like the fact that it showed that because his his powers are so weird. She could, t- she could be, I mean, she can't beat him, obviously, because, like, his durability is way too much, but, like, on any given day, she, she would just clean his clock. It wasn't like, you know, she, she had the ability to kill him, but for whatever reasons, he, he, he just wasn't, he, he's just way too powerful. It was odd. I, mean, I, I think that, like, um, 
the way the way the fight was sort of like kind of like developed from you know her stamina running down to like her getting beat back to her delivering a killing blow and for that not even to be enough and like for the, the fight just took a lot of a lot of various turns which I thought was really really worked really really well and um I mean I mean I remember like like I think like in terms of the sagas it doesn't get more brutal than like the Saiyan saga because Goku gets really messed in that in that arc Piccolo does and you know, everybody dies but this is this is this is the most violent I think we've we've seen in quite a while. Um, I'll be interested to listen to hear uh, listeners' thoughts on this fight. Um, I, I, I do want to like mention the Krillin and Punta fight. I really do love that as well because you never see Krillin like a boss, and he's <laughs> it's so awesome to see him be as awesome as as we know he is now. I mean, he's gotten so much stronger than than he has in you know in the last few years, and Having this guy who we know is strong, but like he's always outclassed by every other character, you know, totally own somebody else is a lot of fun. There's one comment that this we should probably mention this. There's one comment by his daughter in the stands. It's oh that guy was scary. Can dad beat him? And uh, Yamcha says that like this this is from the, the original Japanese version. Yamcha says, "Don't worry, your dad is the strongest person in the world." And uh, and then he thinks to himself, "Well, he's the strongest human at least." And this actually, you're not, you might not believe this, but like in the fandom, this causes a huge like uh, uh, fan split in terms of like, wait a minute, what about Tien? Is Krillin stronger than Tien, or is Tien stronger than Krillin? And to this day, to this very hour, people still debate that because of what Yam just said. It's, so like that, that. I love how they take Yamcha as fact. <laughs> exactly. It has been said by Yamcha, so it is true. But uh, I think I would believe that Krillin is stronger than Tien. I kind of go back and forth on it. I mean, because Tien trade with King Kai, but uh, Krillin also got a power up from uh, the Namekian Elder. So there's not, there's never really a lot of, there's not a lot of great evidence for it. I mean, Tien did hold back second form, circuit form cell. Um, so that was one thing. Uh I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, Krillin's obviously, like, very powerful on his own, just generally. But, like, in comparison to Tien, there's not a lot of, like, point of reference for it. So, I I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't weigh one heavily one way or the other. But I know a lot of people that it's, – it's one of those, like, gosh. It, it is a sticking point with, 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 like, hardcore DBZ fans almost to – no, to a ridiculous degree. One, because you're right. You're, you're taking Yamcha's words for it. But because Toriyama wrote it, like – it says, is Toriyama speaking through Yamcha? <laughs> Yamcha's a prophet of the Lord. So, it's an unfortunate thing. Just say that, yeah, I, I would just say that it's a character trying to reassure someone's daughter <laughs> and not, you know, necessarily him speaking through the through the character. I think he'd pick a better character than Yamcha to speak through. <laughs> yeah, like, like he's trying to, you know, oh, don't worry, uh, daughter of Krillin, your father's going to be okay. He's not talking to the fans through, through the screen, grabbing them by the collar and saying, Krillin's more awesome than Tien. He's not doing that, so. Good Lord. Um, fans who were, you know, worried that Krillin wouldn't be okay. Yeah, they're worried that, like, cause Krillin, Krillin's getting a lot of screen time in this arc so far, so. He's all good. Uh, I have one last uh, major comment, and that's just generally on uh, uh, Supreme Kai. Or Kaioshin, it, and it's, it's not really like anything important. But um, uh, I tend to call like again. I mentioned Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Twenty Two uh, earlier. Uh, that was the first uh, game ever played. Uh, my brother and I saw it at a game shop 
which is actually incredibly shady and was shut down because there was a gunfight there. Anyway, um, it was a Japanese. We had to buy an emulator for it. And uh, the booklet was all in Japanese, which is why I, I got to kind of recognize some characters' names and Japanese characters. Um, and as, as the title says, it had 22 characters, although there's a code to have five other characters. And one of the 22 characters was uh, the Supreme Pie character. Now, because I uh, had that game first, and I got that game probably around the time that America was showing, like, the end of the Priestess Saga. So I didn't know a lot of what was coming up next. I had never seen that character, this character before I got that game. And in the Japanese version and in that game, he's known by Kaioshin. So I tend to call the character Kaioshin. But for the rest, for the entire English dub, they call him the Supreme Kai. So if I ever say Kaioshin, that's kind of it's, it's kind of like a Mr. Satan Hercule kind of thing. Um, but um, it's uh, it's 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 kind of one of those things where it kind of gets a little murky in terms of like the characters' names. But um, in terms of like his match with Piccolo and his the re- revelation of his identity and how Piccolo responded, did you have any thoughts about that? Do you have any thoughts about how Piccolo responds to him and he's totally scared out of his green little or purple little pants? Yeah, this is. Like a whole new side of Piccolo. Like, it makes you kind of go stand up and say, hmm, all right, why is he sweating? <laughs> like I, and I right. love that uh, Goku's response is, hey, do you want me to go take care of him, buddy? Like, <laughs> what was Goku going to do? Like, <laughs> it, was almost, it was almost like, like Goku's like, you know, you want me to you know, show him one thing, like bully the guy. I love that him and him and Piccolo are such good friends. Like, hey, I'll go take care of him. <laughs> but yeah, Piccolo being you know scared and nervous, and then letting on you know he, who he knows who he is before the audience kind of knows because I had no idea. Like, okay, a Supreme Kai. I'd assume that's above King Kai. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Most but we're 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 given just enough, but it's still a mystery as to you know what's going. on. This is something that like. Uh, it, this actually, the, the, like, the DD ranking in Dragon Ball, I find it actually very, very vague. You have King Kai, who's sort of like the lord of the northern galaxy, whatever that is. Like, there are four, like, 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 like geometrical galaxies in the, I guess, the DBZ universe. King Kai is the northern god. There are south, east, and west gods. There's a grand god over that. And then Kaioshin is the lord over that. I mean, again, like, his title is the lord of lords. Like, he's like... The closest thing to God on uh, in the universe without actually being like you know the Judeo-Christian God Himself, and um, although and, and you and I will like, talk talk about in a minute how he's one of several, uh, he's one of a handful of these Supreme Kai, Kai uh, people. So um, yeah, I, I thought it was actually very interesting, and I liked how they were kind of dealing with that while the Videl Spovich fight had already started. Um, it was actually a very interesting. Uh, uh, juggling of subplots. And I thought that, like, I'm glad that, like, they didn't drag that out too much. Like, who was this mysterious Kai? Like, no, no, they kind of like, got to it after after the fight pretty soon afterwards. Um, so that's pretty much all the notes that I have. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, not really. I, I, I agree with you that I like that it was intriguing, but it wasn't drug out. And I also like how it was balanced between the fight scenes and the exposition to keep it interesting. What's your take on um, uh, oh last thing I mentioned is that like this guy Killa, like I can't understand what he's saying. I don't know about you, but like I had no idea what he was talking about the entire time he talked. He spoke. Yeah, he has that weird accent. I don't know what they were going for, but yeah, he only has like what two two or three scenes. He has 
he has more dialogue than I remembered, but like he, I don't know what he's saying. I really, I really don't know what he's saying. It's, it's not like an urban accent or anything. It's just like this very like almost like quasi foreign kind of thing. It's 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 strange. Yeah, it's it it sounds vaguely French, kind of. I don't I don't know, but yeah, all I know is that he get, he gets zapped by touching <laughs> touching. You know the character, and he and at that point you realize, okay, something's obviously up, and that this guy can't be touched. He he will electrocute you if you do, uh, and that's really his only purpose so far. Well, dude, I actually do like the fact that like these guys, Killer and Jewel, like the other tournament fighters, they're nothing special, but like you know, even they recognize that Spobovich from the last tournament is completely different. I, I thought it was kind of cool that we got their perspective on him, no matter how minor characters they they might be. Like they're like even saying. They can sense that something's wrong. So that was that was kind of interesting. Yeah, so yeah, it shows that just how how different he is, and that it's not just one person saying, "Oh, he's a he's a lot different." It kind of puts more credence to it if you hear it from multiple different characters who've met him before. Absolutely. I mean, like uh, before we move on, like we we've had about three months of like really breezy storytelling that didn't really get all that serious. I mean, there's been plots and developments, and we and we both really enjoyed it. What's your how do you feel in, their, in terms of the tone that they've shifted to now where, like, it's immediately – not immediately, but, like, you know, it's now become extremely serious uh, with these episodes with the Videl spopovich fight. How did you – did you like that? Did you, did you find that interesting? What was your uh, response to that? Uh, yeah, I was interested by it, and I, on one hand, I was kind of waiting for it. I was like, all right, I have enjoyed what we've had before, but I want to see things get kicked up a notch. But at the same time, it happens, and it's – it kind of still leaves me with my, my jaw on the floor almost, you know, to the extent that Videl got battered and how quickly it's happening. It doesn't seem too quickly, but it, it's like, okay, hold on to your, your seat because everything's in motion now. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like, like going up a roller coaster. Like you're, you're going up, you're going up, you're going up, and you know any second it's about to kick in. When it does, it's like, all right, well, I'm on here now. I just got to go up. I got to just hang on for the ride. Yeah, it's, it's, it is it is a good sense of anticipation, and I do enjoy it. Um, there's one last minor note I have is uh, when uh, early in the Videl Spopovich fight, when Spopovich starts showing a lot of his durability, Vegeta and Goku kind of trade very knowing glances at each other before anybody starts saying anything. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I saw that, and that is telling between the characters just because they've experienced so much, what they kind of can infer just from – from seeing, like, okay, this guy's obviously not normal. Well, it was, it was also cool the fact that, like, you know, Goku's closer to Krillin and Piccolo and Gohan, obviously. But, like, the two full-blood Saiyans, like, I, I don't know what it was. Like, those two characters in particular, like, kind of, like, silently agreeing on something. Like, like there's something wrong with this guy, and we can tell before everybody else. It was only in the anime, but I thought that was a, that was a really interesting touch. Yeah, it, it kind of puts a bond between the Saiyans there. <laughs> A racial one. You want to see me turn into a Super Saiyan? Fine, I'll do it. Just remember, you asked for it. I got a bad feeling about this. I think Gohan's in trouble. Listen, 
The instant Gohan transforms, I'm certain Spopovich and Yamu will try to attack him. Huh? But as I've already told you, you must not try to help him. I don't know what you're after, but Gohan can take care of himself. He doesn't need any help from us. Yes, of course. What makes you so sure that those two are going to attack Gohan? Spopovich and Yamu are not yet aware of it, but Gohan is the one they are searching for. Don't worry. They don't want his life. Only his energy. Energy? chance for requests. Do you just want to see a Super Saiyan, or should I take it up to the next level? What's that? There's a level beyond a Super Saiyan? tournament. Goku is uh, apparently eating at Koron's Tower, uh, which uh, I don't know why he's doing that. Uh, but he eventually teleports back with the Sins of Beans. And Koron, very contrivedly, only has three Sins of Beans after seven years of non-fighting has only three Sins of Beans. What the hell, man? But um, one of those is given to Gohan. Gohan runs towards the hospital wing where Videl's staying and uh, puts it in her mouth. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, and before he runs off to his fight with Kabito. So uh, Mr. Satan and the doctors are all like, you can't do that. Get out of here. <coughs> but, um, after, you know, after a very short time, you know, in a couple of seconds, Vidal just jumps off and says, I'm all better now. So she's completely healed, even though her clothes are a wreck. And um, she, she knew that the entire time that whatever Gohan said could happen, would happen. So she learns to trust him now. So uh, while Gohan and... Kabito are walking towards the ring. Gohan's classmates see that the Great Saiyan Man has entered, and they're seeing uh, the Great Saiyan Man without his headband and cape, saying, and one of those classmates says, that looks an awful lot like Gohan. Uh, he, has, like, he actually has like a set of binoculars. And Sharmer, who legitimately tried to find out Saiyan Man's identity earlier in the day, saying, man, I couldn't take a picture with my camera. What if it is Gohan? Oh, what a bummer. So, Erase says, we should, we should start cheering for him, and whether he's Gohan or not, you know, if he's Gohan, then that's great. If he's not Gohan, it doesn't really make a difference. So let's just say he's Gohan and start cheering for him. 
So Sharp and Orisa and uh, the guy of the glasses all start cheering Gohan's name. Gohan sees uh, the student says, oh, man, I guess without the head wrap, they know my identity. Oh, well, so much for my peace and quiet. So he throws away the glasses and reveals himself and his secret identity in front of the, in front of the world. So uh, uh, that, that outs him. There's no more, I guess there's no more secret identity for Gohan anymore. So that's a huge uh, turning point that gets immediately thrown up under the bus when Kabito says, uh, Gohan, turn Super Saiyan in front of me. I want to see if your power can be useful when we need it when the time comes. So Gohan says, wait, what? How do you know about that? How do you know I'm a Super Saiyan? And um, at this point, Kaioshin walks up to uh, the Z Fire and says, listen, everyone, I need you to listen to me and not do anything when, uh, when whatever, what is about to happen happens. Gohan's going to be okay, but just stay, stay here and don't move. And Krillin and Goku are like, what are you talking about? Nothing's really happened yet. So uh, Piccolo t- uh, tells Gohan uh, via a look saying, it's okay, you know, go Super Saiyan, let's see what this guy wants. So um, Gohan's like, all right, fine. You want to see me become a Super Saiyan or should I take it up to my new level? And Kabito says, wait, what? What do you mean? There's a new level beyond the Super Saiyan? And Gohan's like, oh, yes. So he uh, nods his head and uh, commences in what is the most awesome transformation sequence <laughs> in a long-ass time. Uh, he transforms into uh, an adult version of Super Saiyan 2. And this is also significant because the entire audience arena uh, – I mean, it was one thing to see Gohan – or Goten and Trunks quickly flash into Super Saiyans briefly. But Gohan drags out and, like, returns to the uh, power he had as a little kid. Everybody sees him for what he is. His 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 um, classmates see that he's now uh, a Super Saiyan, and they recognize him for being the Golden Warrior. But Dell, who has come out in different clothes now, sees that he's the Golden Warrior, and Gigi's been bragging the entire time. So um, uh, Vegeta remarks that Gohan's actually not as powerful as he was when he fought Cell because he's been slacking off due to seven years of peace. And Kaioshin says that may be true, but he's also still the most powerful person on this planet right now, and that's all that matters. Um, at this point, we see um, Spopovich and Yamu, <laughs> the, the Napa and Vegeta of this saga, uh, uh, have this sort of like little dial with an M on it and a, a little gauge that shows like um, sort of like in a clockwise pattern. Uh, kind of, it kind of ranges energy, and they're, they're reading Gohan, and Gohan's energy is, is like off the charts. So it says, we've got him. That's the person we need. Let's go get him. So um, before Go- Go- Gohan and Kabito start fighting, Yamu and Spopovich just jump out of nowhere, and um, Gohan's like, all right, we got company. So he's about to fight them. Kaioshin tele- telekinetically freezes Gohan and just paralyzes his limbs, for Gohan can't move, where he's uh, made vulnerable by Spopovich and Yamu. Spopovich bear hugs Gohan, while Yamu, <laughs> Yamu shifts him. <laughs> he, uh... <coughs> 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 he, uh takes the dial, which has a, a large point at the end, and stabs Gohan in the side. Uh, Krillin is like, go on! And just runs after uh, to help, but uh, Piccolo grabs him by the scruff of his neck and Kaioshin's, what did I tell you? Stay put! TG wants to gra- jump, jump in there and help him out, and Videl wants to help him out, but Goku, <laughs> in a callback to the Cell games, just wants to sit, stand there and watch Gohan get beat up. So he says, listen, listen future daughter-in-law, I mean um, Gohan's friend, just stay here. He'll be okay. So um, Gohan is clearly knocked out by this. He uh, His energy is drained and sucked into the little vial and um, falls unconscious. Uh, Spovich and Yamu twist their mustaches and laugh evilly, and they fly away. 
So um, Videl at that point runs off. Kaioshin tells Goku, all right, I'm going to follow those two. Gohan's going to be okay. Um, I would really appreciate it if you guys all came to uh, join me. So um, Goku says, well, if you give your word that Gohan's going to be okay, then I'll join with you. Piccolo already starts flying after, after Kaioshin. Um, uh, Krillin says, uh, uh, I, knew, I knew we'd get back into the Dragon Ball Z after this. So, all right, let me tell my wife. But Gita grabs Goku and says, wait, 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 you're not going anywhere, Kakarot. What about the tournament? Our fight. The only reason I joined this stupid thing was to fight you again. And Goku says, oh, yeah, that's fine. After, after I deal with this, you and I will fight, I promise. Have you forgotten that you'll return to the dead after only one day? So Goku's like, all right, then come with us. You know, you can keep an eye on me there. So, so Goku and Vegeta fly off. And um, Vegeta says, uh, God, he gets under my skin sometimes. So, um... Uh, Krillin tells 18, who decides to stay back and fight and beat up Mr. Satan for money. But she tells Krillin, you know, if it gets too dangerous, uh, bail out. So he does so, and he flies after the others. Um, the medics show up to help Gohan out, but Kabito heals him Dende-style by placing his hand on his back. So Gohan's back to full strength and um, was told that his father and his friends flew off after Kaioshin. So Gohan's about to fly after them, and Videl says, wait, take me with you. There's so much going on, and I, I want to know. And if you say no, I'm going to follow you anyway. So Gohan says, all right, but it's going to be dangerous. If it gets too dangerous, promise me he'll fly back. So just as Mr. Satan runs out and sees Gohan and Videl together, and he gets really, really mad because he doesn't like Videl dating anybody, uh, he sees he witnesses his daughter fly away as Gohan and Videl fly after Kabito. So he's like, oh, my daughter's literally flown the coop. So uh, we see Goku, Krillin, Piccolo, and Vegeta fall, fly after Kaioshin, who's following Spopovich and Yamu. And we see Gohan and Adel meet up with Kabito. So Kabito and Kaioshin both trade – they both trade uh, the backstory of what's really going on. They're not, really, they're not there for Spopovich and Yamu. Spopovich and Yamu are basically glorified henchmen. Uh, and they, they uh, exposit that a long time ago, back before the human race was even formed. There was a uh, – there was an evil warlock named Bibidi, and Bibidi had control of this terrible, evil monster, uh, which, uh, this monster is basically a jinn, D-J-I-N-N, called Majin Buu. Majin Buu was so terribly powerful that he destroyed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of planets effortlessly. Um, Vegeta actually comments on it. It sounds like this guy would make a great, good saying. And um, Kaios is like, no, Vegeta, reading his thoughts. Um, there are five uh, uh, Kaioshin beings like myself. Four of them were killed by Boo. Uh, Boo was so powerful that Bibidi placed a spell on him to seal him into a cocoon. Kaioshin killed Bibidi, but uh, after years and years of dormancy, uh, he and Kabito have realized that Bibidi had a son named Babidi. Babidi is on Earth right now, and he seeks to uh, resurrect Boo through, uh, via a strong fighter's energy. So they're falling after Yamu and Spopovich in order to stop them from delivering the energy and having Babidi awaken Majin Boo once more. And that is the that, that is literally the plot of the of the saga from here on in. The Z fighters must help these mysterious strangers uh, defeat uh, this mysterious Babidi. Can they fight him before Boo is resurrected? I think y'all know that the answer won't, will be no. But uh, well, let's see how it turns out next month. So Jesse, what are your thoughts on the revelation of this uh, this new saga? Uh, Bibidi and Babidi, yeah. Oh, the puns keep on coming. I'm glad you noticed that, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. But, uh, um, 
Yeah, so a lot happens in this, and I'm really digging where it's going so far. It's, uh, I, once again, you know, Dragon Ball keeps surprising me with just how far and how different everything can be from one another. Because this seems like a, you know, we have wizards, and it seems like a very magical storyline, which is something we haven't went before. Mm-hmm. Going going from the very sci-fi of the android saga to this is just like a complete 180. But I'm excited for it. I'm excited to kind of see these new villains and see where it takes the characters to. to. Uh, and also, just the whole backstory with all of the Grand Kai's and the Supreme Kai, it's, it's something that we haven't been, I haven't seen before, being, you know, relatively new to the series, so I don't know if that's a callback to anything from Dragon Ball or not. Um, as far as I'm, as far as I remember, I'm pre, I'm like 99% nine sure that like, there was no wizard, wizard or warlocks in Dragon Ball. Okay. But yeah, I'm really digging it, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, no, I, I am as well. Um, one thing I always say about Toriyama is that like he tends to really, really differentiate the the, the continuing saga from the previous saga. Like you say, like the last one was very sci-fi with future time travel and androids, Terminator basically. This one, I mean, like you know, yeah, there's a Cinderella uh, rhyme kind of thrown in there, but it's a really interesting. It's a really interesting plot, I think. I I've always liked the idea that like. Uh, what appears initially to be a callback to Dragon Ball with the return of the World's Martial Arts Tournament has coalesced into like this other new, more serious Dragon Ball Z-esque saga that um, is more familiar to the second iteration, the, this other iteration of the series. And I like the idea that like uh, that um, people show up to the tournament in order, for, not, not to compete in the tournament, but in order to like, you know, to, to uh, meet other goals. I mean, in Dragon Ball, the tournaments, you know, like, like the last tournament was basically the, the setting for Goku versus Piccolo, but it was still a tournament. I mean, the tournament, we saw the tournaments to the end. This one, the tournament's completely interrupted. Half of the fighters all leave in the middle of the, of the fight, so, uh, to fight this, this, these new bad guys, and, um, I find it really interesting. But yeah, I, I, I just like the idea that, like, um, it's a different take on the tournament. It kind of like, it's almost like this, this Dragon Ball callback was interrupted by the needs of Dragon Ball Z, which is a little funny. Um, the scene where uh, Gohan gets his energy stolen after he's revealed himself to not only be the Golden Fighter and the Great Saiyan Man, like I, I, I don't know, a lot. Of, you, you you said it right, and that a lot of things really happen that uh, almost at once. And I don't know, there's a lot of surprises in this episode. There's a lot of like, I don't know if to say twists, but like I don't know, it, it it the characters' motivations are driven into different different terrains. I thought it was a lot of fun to see. I thought the char- there were nice character dynamic moments where um, Piccolo kept Go- Krillin from helping Gohan. Goku, Goku kept uh, Videl from helping Gohan. Um, Chi-Chi was yelling by the by the rafters and stuff. So it was it was it was it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed this. I didn't really like the um, the episode where Videl got a sense of beam because the first half of it was just like nonsense. Like, like nothing happened at all. Really, it wasn't tough. She was healed, that the plot got back together. But like, that's that's a minor nitpick because the rest of the episode and the episode after that was a lot of fun. Um, did you have any thoughts on the transformation sequence of Gohan going Super Saiyan two again? Because I think that's one of the most awesome transformation sequences we've seen in the series. First, I, I really loved how that was animated. I thought that was actually incredibly well done. Uh, did you think so as well? Did you think about anything about that? I did. I I loved it, and I, I like how it's unique in that it's 
it's on a tiled floor. You see all the tiles raise up and then fall back into place. And in addition to that, it's also in front of a live audience. Like, yeah. you normally get that much of a display of power, you know, in that public of a venue. So it really stood out as unique. No, yeah, I love that. Um, I, yeah, and, and you saw their reaction too. Like, you saw as he was powering up. Everyone in the entire arena going, oh, wow, what is this? Whoa. It was just, there's something about the Z Fighters fighting for a crowd that really uh, makes it fun to watch. Because up to this point, Dragon Ball Z's really not had that. They're, they're, we've we've kind of had this, like, in Dragon Ball a little bit, but they were a lot less powerful back then. The fighting was a lot more martial arts, hand-to-hand combat style. Having sort of, like, the super... Having sort of a super-powered elements in there, like, Gohan, again, like, it, it's almost like a visual callback to the Frieza arc, in that when Gohan transforms into Super Saiyan 2, the sky gets dark, and there's lightning everywhere, so that's kind of, that's, that's kind of really awesome, and, um, it's really cool, the fact that, like, I mean, it actually puts Kabito and Kaioshin in a bit of a douchey situation, because they kind of made out to be, uh, they were, they were basically using Gohan, to, to to figure out Bobby's hideout, which I mean, they, they they knew that like Gohan wasn't going to die, I guess, but um, I don't know. It, it was interesting to have them sort of like use the Z fires in, in their own plans, but I guess we can't get we can't say that they're too shady, I suppose. But I also feel like the use of Goku Gohan powering up in front of the audience and just fighting more in general in front of the audience. It's kind of playing with our expectations of what we've seen before in the series because we've never seen this. And it's kind of like trying to a new, okay, I'm going to put the characters in, in a situation we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And to, to kind of put yeah. expectations. Yeah, he, um, a lot of this does, like, I agree, a lot of this feels like, you know, what, what haven't I done before up to this point? What haven't I, you know, incorporated in this series? What would, would, I, what would I like to see? What would be fun to see? Um, what would get the best responses from the characters? Yeah, I'll give it to Toriyama. It does seem like that's the kind of approach he writes. Okay, if I have something to say about the characters, like I'm, I'm not going to do it. Like it, it seems like every art is different, and he, he strives to bring something new to it. He's not just treading the ground of the same stuff he's done before. To pad the I'll, I'll say this about this arc. Um, Toriyama, throughout Dragon Ball, had three editors. Um, I'm try- I hope I'm getting this, the timeline of this right. His first editor uh, edited Dragon Ball from the beginning of Dragon Ball to, I believe, I want to say it was like either late Dragon Ball, like their Piccolo Goku fight, or early Dragon Ball Z, like, like around that time. His second editor was on from like the start of the, the DBZ to to uh, up to this point. And I know that, like, around this time in, in uh, the production of the series, from uh, the World Tournament to the end of the series, his third editor he, – he is third editor. And we mentioned last year how his, his editor at the time kept having Toriyama go back to the drawing board and redesigning villains. Like, you know, he didn't like uh, Android 1920. He didn't like Android 1718. He didn't like the cell. Like, he, he kicked on having the villains be revealed to be other characters in different designs. Um, his third editor, I do know, was um, was famously laid back and had Torama. He gave Torama free reign to do literally whatever he wanted. Um, and I think that, like, while that might not have inhibited Torama to try new things in this, or you know, while that might, while that might otherwise that may not have inhibited to try new things in this arc, I think that this is a 
this arc does represent Toriyama pretty much um, doing whatever he wants. I think a lot of the comedy is, is, uh, is evidence of that. I think that like, it gets more and more um, – the, the arc becomes a lot more – Oh, I'm, I'm trying to say, like, I don't know. You, you, you have the idea that Toriyama has has the mindset to do whatever he feels like as as the arc goes on. I, I think on on the good end of that, we're seeing experience that here, and on the bad end of that, we'll experience that when we experience that later on down the line. <laughs> I'm excited. Yay! I, I, I hope I hope you'll stay excited later on. No, this this so far these episodes I've enjoyed the most since like the end of the Cell games. I've I really really liked it. I love Videl's in, induction in this in this series. I think that like the fact that she tries to go go uh, with Gohan is really cool. The fact that she had her own fight, like you know, barely barely survived, was cool. Like I just like she she is like like my favorite character from this whole arc because she works really well as an audience surrogate as a character in her own right, and she also connects the Z fighters to like the human element, and that like she's Mister Satan's daughter. Um, and it's fun to see like the Z fighters act. You know, they kind of react. How they usually do, like you know, what, what is this, what's going on? Let's, let's see what, what this thing happens. Whereas Videl and the other characters kind of act like, you know, wait, what's what is this? This doesn't make any sense. What's going on? And having those kind of character interactions, like her trying to help Gohan and Goku stop her, was really interesting to see. So I, I think that like that works well in this, in this arc's favor. Um, I like the fact that like the the students from the Orange Star High School were, were brought back to see Gohan become Super Saiyan. It kind of brings a whole. The, whole, the first few episodes of that are full circle because Gohan's now touted to be the Golden Warrior, um, which is obvious, I guess. Um, it's, 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 an, it's, it's, it's fun to watch, essentially. I'm not exactly sure what else to say about it, but I do, I, I do enjoy a lot of the character interactions and them reacting to the plot. I think this is a, not necessarily a culmination, but very close to kind of tying up a lot of what we've seen so far to move forward, especially with the the Golden Warrior and Saiyaman, and then also, you know, the characters from the high school brought back into that. We kind of see where it leads, and I think Videl is probably one of the best new characters created. Absolutely. Nothing against, like, Android 18, <clears throat> but I prefer Videl. Like, just the just the characterization she's gotten so far. Leachie's also a lot more of a jerk, but, um, Videl's, Videl's just been given so much development, like, honest development. She had a major fight. She was, we saw her train, like, she's been treated as a main character in, in this arc, so you, you're invested to care, and the investment really pays off. Whereas with 18, like, you know, as much as I do like that character, I wish we got so much more of her than, than we have gotten, especially when it comes to her and Krillin, because a lot of it's just, like, you know, whatever the plot needed. Whereas this is, like, Videl's not really... As I mentioned before, back in the Spopovich fight, you probably could have had any other character, but Videl is a character created to further the plot. She's a, she works as a character in her own right, as well as providing other um, other outlets for the for the uh, series in terms of its audience. So yeah, I, I I really really enjoy this character, and I think that like, I mean, I, I, I've, I've bitched so much about the the Bruce Lager vaguely in the in the past. But so far, none of what's happened really, except for maybe you'll go to the Trunks becoming Super Saiyans when they did, has really, I mean, nothing, nothing here I've not really, really loved. And uh, this episode, and how serious it is, and how, how it kind of like uh, gets the plot really moving, I'm, I'm really intrigued. You know, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, okay, we got to stop this guy. But like, that's, that's Dragon Ball Z. That's, what else do you want? I'm not, I'm not mad about that. So, um, And I like seeing the Z fighters kind of reunite to fight a bad guy. There's something fun about that. It's like Goku, Vegeta, Piccolo, Go- Krillin's like, it's like, you know, yes, 
the gang is really getting back together. It's not Dragon Ball Z unless they're, fight, they're all hanging out fighting bad guys. Except Yamcha. Yamcha, yeah, he said in between Chi Chi and, and Voma, where he belongs. He can't, he can't even handle them. Although I, th- I do think there was a moment where um, uh, either they flew off with Kaioshin or during the Spoopfish fight where he said so- something is wrong. I did kind of like that because it showed that, you know, Yamcha's a bit more perspe- perceptive, but that was only one time. The other time he was basically, like, you know, yanking his collar and everything. Oh, by the way, did you notice, uh, I, I know I texted you about this, like, yes. The, uh, there was a scene where Bulma and, and Chi-Chi were arguing, and in the background, there's a woman with, like, a, a, like a, wearing, like, like, a bra or a bikini top, and the entire time, as there's an argument in the, in the foreground, Roshi's just staring at her in the background. Yeah, he doesn't move that entire scene. He's just staring. He doesn't have any lines. He doesn't. He's he's not acknowledged at all. He's just staring at her chest. That was that was awesome. Ah, I I I like that because it was so it was almost true, like you know your everyday run of the mill Roshi thing. It wasn't given a lot of attention. I thought it was cool. Like even if you wouldn't have said something, I would have noticed because I was I was expecting a scene with him, like some kind of acknowledgement. No, he's just in the background creeping. And his nope. lines in this entire episode are laughing like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good impression. Yeah, I, I, I agree. We also got some more, some more teaching here. She was like cheerleading Gohan, and she's like, oh, everybody, shut up. Gohan's going to show you something spectacular. Then when Gohan is attached, I wish, I, honestly, I wish that like, because everybody else was being held back by the other characters. If she ran into the, into the ring, that would have been cool. But she probably would have been killed. So it, it would have been nice to see. We saw the various characters try to try to help go on out. Yeah, uh, they had a, Gigi and Bulma had a nice nice rivalry going along. Uh, it, it moves from their sons to their husbands. Yeah, they they, they can't get along in this episode, which is kind of fun to see because we're not seeing Gigi and Bulma together a lot until this arc when they're they're, they're like the two mamas. Uh, anything else about uh, this these set of episodes? I mean, we really like them, but they're pretty much like you know. Uh, some of their parts that we've already talked about. Yeah, I agree, and it, they've really excited me for what's what comes next. And I think we'll have a lot more meat of episodes next time because I mean, you know, this is great setup. This is great kind of foreshadowing and to what's for what's to come. And this is, uh, I'm excited to see where the Boo Saga goes. Oh yes. Do you? How, how does um? I'm not, I'm not going to tell you to rank the sagas right now, but in terms of what you've seen of the Boo Saga so far, how does this compare to, like, uh, the best that you've liked so far in DBZ, like the Cell Games of the Free Saga or the Saiyan Saga? I think just as far as, like, build-up, like, if you if you view each saga by the build-up to the kind of the major conflicts, I love mm-hmm. this build-up and just the amount of characterizations we've gotten more than what we had in the uh, the Android Saga. Not quite as much as we had in the Freezer Saga. Okay, because the Freezer Saga, the Freezer Saga really, really built up Freezer for a while, so that is, that is true. But it's definitely, it's definitely not not boring, and it's not the worst. It's, oh yeah. So it's definitely, it's really got me stoked. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to what's coming down the pipe, especially like like the like just the, so all over the place with what the main, you know, who the main villains were, that it kind of felt false a few times. Right, right. With this, it, yeah, it took a, quite a while to get to the kind of, I guess, the the culmination of the saga to kind of where the direction is going, but it was never boring, and it never kind of lingered. 
with uh, the Antrim saga, I really liked the character interactions and how the original characters kind of like came together to fight the the bad guy after being in space for so long. But I, I'll absolutely agree that like a lot of the exposition was really doled out randomly. Like Trunk says, "Oh, there's androids." After I just killed Frieza, and then Cell says, "Oh, I'm Cell from the future. I, I need the androids." They, like this so, so far in the Bruce saga, this this writing is a bit better, and I do like. Um, I don't know, like, like uh, it just feels a bit more, a bit more engaging the way the Boo uh, thing was revealed here, as opposed to like how the, how the other characters kind of came out of nowhere. Although I, I still love when Cell first appeared in Fort Piccolo. The whole Frieza appearing and then Cooler appearing and then Doctor Zero appearing, it, it was like big bad after big bad, and it kind of got a little, a little tedious. Like, oh, this is you know, this is the bad guy we're fighting. No, no, never mind. We're getting rid of him. There's really this bad guy. So I think I think kind of the fact that Toriyama wasn't being held back, so to say, allowed him to pace it more naturally. That's true. Like, um, the bad guys aren't here, you know, screaming their plot, saying, like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. We've not seen Babadi yet. He sends henchmen. <laughs> and, um, and the henchmen don't tell... Tell, don't tell the villains what they're going to do either. They just like do what they need to do. It's actually a lot more realistic, <laughs> and it's, it's it's fun to see the characters react like like without knowing what's going on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I we've we've had this a lot in this year, but uh, I, I am loving the the view arc so far, and I still love it. Uh, a few episodes down the line, I really like what comes up next uh, in terms of character development. Uh, and this, and without saying too much farther, this year should prove to be very interesting in terms of like how we ultimately grade Toriyama's storytelling as he finishes out his series. I'm excited. Oh yes. Hey, wait! I'm glad you decided to come, and thank you. Without all of your help, I would not be able to defeat them. You need us to beat those two? No, it's not Spopovich and Yamu that concern me. It's the wizard controlling them. Uh, a wizard? Yes. Long ago, at a time when the human race was still in its infancy here on Earth, a powerful wizard from the distant edge of the universe named Bibbidi first appeared. With him, he brought a terrible monster of his own creation whose sole purpose was to destroy. The name of that monster was Majin Buu. Buu, huh? So what did this guy do? Majin Buu had no feelings or conscience. He was designed as an instrument of fear and terror. His single desire was to eliminate all living things, and he was very good at it. With Majin Buu under his control, Bibidi set about the systematic destruction of all life in the universe. Hundreds of planets were reduced to rubble. Entire galaxies were erased from existence. No force could withstand his evil power. <laughs> this Majin Buu sounds like you would have made a decent Saiyan. No, you're wrong, Vegeta. <clears throat> There were five Grand Kais at that time, each one a thousand times more powerful than the one you called Frieza. When they fought Boo, only one survived. <clears throat> he would have wiped out your entire Saiyan race with a breath, just like so many others. Whoa! Not good! Oh, why didn't someone tell me he could read minds? In time, Majin Buu became so powerful that even Bibidi had difficulty controlling him. <sighs> 
Whenever he needed to rest, Bibbidi used a spell to seal Majin Buu inside a ball where he would lay dormant until the counterspell was invoked. Bibbidi used this spell to transport Majin Buu from planet to planet. The ball was brought here. The Earth was intended to be Majin Buu's next target. No, that's terrible. Obviously, this action was prevented, but the ball that contains Majin Buu remains here on Earth to this day. <sighs> yes, the Supreme Kai could have destroyed him. He chose to leave him hidden. I don't get it. Why didn't he destroy him when he had the chance? Because Majin Buu is no threat as long as he is confined to that ball. And until now, we thought Bibidi was the only one who could release him. Until now? It would seem that we have discovered another. Bibidi had a son. He's here on Earth. Huh? Bibidi named his son Babidi. At any cost, we must stop him. But what is he gonna do? He intends to continue his father's work. He's going to release Majin Buu. At last, the source of Spopovich and Yamu's inhuman power has been revealed. The wizard Bobbity, who, unless the Z-Fighters can stop him, intends to unleash a monster that will eradicate the Earth. The Supreme Kai has witnessed the destructive force of Majin Buu before. Can he prevent it from being released once again? So, all that being said... Next month, in the month of April 2014, for the next dimension, we shall cover, uh, I have down here, The Threat of Bobbity. Um, it's another six-parter, episodes 220 through 225. Yeah, that, that should be it. I don't have the chapter names right now, but I, didn't know, I do have an idea of what's coming up next. Actually, let me recall back to that. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I just remember some things that come up a bit. But, uh, yes, until then, in the month of April, we shall, uh, next month, we will cover episodes 220 through 225 of the next dimension. And if there's any more information about manga chapters and such, I'll put them on the Ellipson page. So, Jesse, any final thoughts? Bring more than three cents of beans. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I don't like that. That's, that's, that's contrived as hell. Just three cents of beans. Really, a bag full of three? Well, like, uh, he... He had no freaking excuse. Like, like there's a Sinzu plant that he uses to grow the beans. Seven years, nothing happens. I only have three left. I would have kicked that cat out out, out that tower so fast. Nice. Maybe Dinday's using all of them. <laughs> He's gonna high off them Sinzu beans. Uh, <laughs> okay, so um, for this, the month of March. Yeah, it's, month, it's early in the month of March, but um, thank you very much for listening to the next dimension of Dragon Ball Z podcast. In the midst of the Boo Saga, we shall continue the Boo Saga next month. Until then, adios. Thank you for listening to the next dimension of Dragon Ball Z podcast. You can find the show and leave feedback at dbznextdimension.lipson.com or write in for emails at dbznextdimension at hotmail.com. If you like what we're doing, please send in feedback at iTunes or like us on Facebook. Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, and Dragon Ball Kai are all owned by Funimation, Toy Animation, Fuji TV, and Akira Toriyama. Dragon Ball is created by Akira Toriyama. Next time on The Next Dimension, we will cover the Mage Babadi, the Lion's Den, and the fate of the finals. See you then. Yeah.
Start, huh? I guess I'm still a little giddy over Trunks' win in the junior division this morning. And now, of course, Vegeta has the best chance of winning the world championship. Father and son winning on the same day? You bet I'm in a good mood. <laughs> I don't think so. Huh? Vegeta's a long way from winning, especially if he has to fight my Goku in the first round. Oh, need I remind you, Chi-Chi, my trunks beat your Goten like father like son, they say. They were just little kids fighting, and besides, your boy cheated. I hate to be the one to break it to you, Bulma, but my Goku has never lost a fight. Oh, so that's why he wears that halo? Now you listen to me. My husband has done nothing but train for the last five years. He's wearing that championship belt home, sister. Goku's <gasps> fighting so he can feed his family and put his children through school. He's got heart, you know. He's not out there for cheap thrills like your husband. Vegeta will win! No! Goku will win! Vegeta! Goku! Vegeta! <laughs> Please, ladies, don't you think this is a little childish? No! no! <laughs> 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 